Hey, everyone. If you like what we do, make sure to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts and give us a follow wherever you listen to podcasts. We are everywhere. That way we can keep talking about the stuff that we love. And that's Jujitsu Kaisen 24-7, 365. And now, on with the show. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Renegade Animation on the Renegade Pop Culture Podcast Network. My name is Mike. I'll be your host this evening. Joining me, as always, is the animation guru himself, Cameron. Howdy, howdy. And oh boy, we got a fun one for today. We are talking about the hottest new shonen anime, Jujutsu Kaisen, and by extension, the theatrical prequel, uh, Jujutsu Kaisen Zero. Um, but first, a little bit of housekeeping. First, I would... I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that um, March of 2022 celebrates the 25th anniversary of Toonami. Um, so Cam, I have, I have to ask, um, how big of a role did that programming block play in your childhood? I guess a better question would be um, who wasn't like introduced to anime and action shows like without Toonami because it's like Toonami was there it gave us Dragon Ball Z Gundam Wing all like the big action shows Sailor Moon and it also had like Batman and Superman of course but it was really there for anime that's how a lot of people got to see Outlaw Star and or the Big O and it traded off Yu Yu Hakusho from uh, Adult Swim during their big anime uh, Saturday night blocks back then. So then, you know, they got, of course, Tenchi Muyo, though Toonami also made Tenchi Muyo very big as well, even though it wasn't specifically an action show, which was always kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. And then there was that one period where uh, Hamtaro was like, one of the biggest things ever in anime. <laughs> oh God, I, I remember I, I remember like how just wildly popular that show became for for a number of years. Not just not just on Toonami, but they also played it like like week early weekday mornings. It was it was almost inescapable. But it yeah, was... without without Toonami, I don't know if I would I don't know if I would be here the way like the way I am today. Cause that that was that that was a, a huge cornerstone um, in my childhood, not just because of Dragon Ball, but um, that's all. That's also where, like you said, um, shows like Batman, Superman, and Batman Beyond got the most exposure, um, and also other other shows like Symbiotic Titan, uh, Samurai Jack, um, even even the original anime. Um, like the original co-production between Cartoon Network and Toonami or um, Toonami and uh, Production IG, uh, the Immortal Grand Prix. Right. And then, of, and then of course you have all of the, uh, the motivational speeches and all those like special, special events they did like once a year. Yeah, no, there was a time where they would be like, yeah, sure, we're going to show Princess Mononoke on Toonami. <laughs> no no apologies there <laughs> um 
but you know they also had like a ton of other shows that kind of came in and out of there like at one point they had prince of tennis and rave master and unfortunately it just really died out when it hit the 2000 the mid 2000s and that's when uh like naruto was really the only reason it was still around Mm-hmm. people watched it for stuff like teen titans and such but the anime pull was like the the introduction to anime was getting bigger and bigger as time went on and toonami started losing relevant uh relevance and it's a shame but that's kind of what happened so then when they brought it back they'll have a few new shows but it was mostly like a way to watch uncut versions of like all your old favorites like Outlaw Star, Dragon Ball, and what have you. So it's a very, like, I have a lot of fond memories of it, but I also have a lot of memories of just like when it was dying off. And then at the the weird early time where one of the uh, Space Ghost villains was the host. Oh, Moltar? Yeah, Moltar. I thought that was, that's so amusing to think about before we got Tom and the AI assistant and the ever amazing Steve Blum, who who is mostly the voice of Tom now. Yeah. Even though, even though there was someone else before him. It's um, just before like, yeah, before before they got Steve Bloom, um Sonny Strait, who played Krillin on Dragon Ball, was the uh the 1.0 version of Tom and you know he was he was pretty fun but steven steven bloom pretty much became the definitive voice of that character yeah it's like even before we knew it it was just like he would pop up everywhere and I'd be like oh hey steve nice seeing you in ig uh, the immortal grand prix oh and there you are in cowboy bebop and there now you are there you are with wolverine <laughs> and no, it's just a very interesting legacy that Toonami has. And I'm glad that it was a way for people to get into anime, even if all they showed were really the shonen action battle shows, which is not bad. It's not like, I don't blame shonen battle shows for being as big as they are because, you know, Toonami helped with that kind of thing. And Adult Swim's Midnight Anime Block also did a lot for that because that's how that was like the one way you could watch Yu Yu Hakusho for a while until Tanami picked it up. Mm-hmm. I, I I had to like I had to be very sneaky um, watching Yu Yu Hakusho on Adult Swim um, because my parents were not necessarily strict per se, but they 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 questioned every once in a while um, the stuff that I was watching. But when I when I did get the opportunity, it it was something I um, very much appreciated. Well, that was during a time where there wasn't much in the way of like adult animation. It was really just The Simpsons, and that was it. And even then, saying that Simpsons were adult had a different context to it. Because then when anime came in, it was just like, oh, look at all this hyper-violence and cursing and swearing. You know, won't somebody think of the children? And it's just like, calm down. But it was funny, like, when you would watch Yu Yu Hakusho, 
like on Adult Swim with all the curse words. And then when it became more popular on Toonami, and then you'd be like, like, he can't get down here or else I'm going to kick your face in. And it's like, that's not the line. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But, you know, Toonami is important. And unfortunately, they are like in the situation of maybe dying off again because they can't afford to syndicate the much more popular shows right now like demon slayer is literally too expensive for them to uh syndicate even though demon slayer is one of the biggest like it would get a bigger audience maybe from adult swim but it kind of doesn't need tsunami and that's that's true it doesn't even though it's a shame because i know we're going to talk about jujitsu kaisen because jujitsu kaisen would would be one of those shows that would would have been a huge hit on Tsunami, granted, they'd have to cut out some of the crasser moments, especially with one of the characters who we'll get into in a moment. Not that that's a bad thing. It's just like they would have to work around a few things. And they, you don't notice that until you look up some of the things. Like with uh, Zatch Bell, a lot of stuff had to get cut and worked around because Viz or whoever was in charge at that time was just like, Oh, how do we make this work? <laughs> oh yeah, and Viz, and Viz Media was not not so much as bad as like four kids, but Viz, Viz Media would um, would be very um, very trigger trigger happy when it came to um, anime censorship. Not to say it's like a bad thing. I understand you see some of the stuff, and it's just like, yeah, they would have had to cut that for the target demographic that they were aiming at but you know anime was different back then you either go to the rental store like a blockbuster or something and see if they had some of your favorite anime on dvd or you uh just pick out whatever they had that somehow got like wrapped up in the family film section which you know even with some of the stuff on the covers they said absolutely not for children it would sit right next to a disney movie (laughs) (laughs) so uh that's all i really have to say about tsunami i'm glad it's still around happy birthday and thank you for getting so many people into animation especially action animation so yeah thank you tsunami for um pretty much like pretty much like it um inventing my childhood to to a lesser extent um but that's that's our look into the past now a look towards the future what's what sort of trailers are we talking about this week well let's talk about let's talk about the first two that have the least amount of information we got our first look at hit pig one of the films that we got to finally Uh, see some kind of footage for and we talked about this film during our uh, big what's coming out this year uh, episode that we did a few months back man it's a few months back now (laughs) and it's coming from Anaventure they're the same people who did the Riverdance the animated adventure film and you know it's the one that's starring 
um, Peter Dinklage as Hit Pig, a grizzly bounty hunter who catches escaped animals and returns them to humans for pay. And then there's a, he goes after this uh, naive elephant and who's escaping this evil Vegas showman and she's voiced by Lily Singh. And what's interesting about this is that it's being directed by David Feiss, who was a director for Cow and Chicken and Despicable Me 2. Huh. And Cinzia Angelini, who worked on Mila and Minions. And then it's produced by Adam Nagel, who did, you know, Riverdance, the animated adventure, and then Pause of Fury, The Legend of Hank. And Dave Rosenbaum, who worked on Riverdance Secret, and Secret Life of Pets. It's being written by Tyler Warren, who uh, adapted the, the Dr. Seuss book, The Lorax for Illumination. And a lot of the animation will be completed by Cinecytes, the Adams Family 2 studio. And there's only, there's not a whole lot to talk about. It's 17 seconds. And it's really just like, hey, this film is coming out. We will have a trailer sometime in the future. I'm curious to see what else there is because I like the design of the character, but I'm curious to see what the rest of the film looks like. Yeah, I, I need I need a little bit more to uh, to chew on before I can really even say whether or not I'm excited. I'm I'm interested in the concept and um, anything anything with Peter Dinklage at least deserves my curiosity. But without without much to go on with the trailer, um, it's it's hard to gauge whether or not this will actually be um, a good movie. But I'm I'm at least like I'm at least ten percent more invested than I was before. Right, right. No, I remember we were like, "Hey, they say it's coming out this year. Who knows now?" <laughs> and then the next one, Netflix just dropped this trailer literally the day before recording this episode for a new anime series based off of the acclaimed Tekken series called Tekken Bloodline, which will be a prequel series to our to an extent, because it's also going to be like kind of, I think, connected to Tekken 1 in some ways, because Jin Kazuma is the main character. And it's going to be a TV series. Unfortunately, we have no idea who is working on it, who's directing it. And that's a little worrying because I'm like, who are you hiding? Is this MAPPA? Is this uh, Signal MD, the people who worked on Dragon's Dogma from 2020? A li- like, I guess I would have loved a little more information than what we got because the trailer looks fine. It, the stylish CGI cell shaded look is pretty cool looking. A lot of the care, they got a lot of a, or a couple of the iconic characters in there, like Jin's grandfather, who was just, you know, in line for the worst parent in, in uh, just pop culture history. I mean, granted, I'd say he's up there because he uh, drops his kid off a cliff. 
<laughs> Damn. Yeah, yeah. No, the Tekken franchise is wild. <laughs> and then we got like this Aztec villain from the I think it was the first game. I don't know if he appears in the other games. It says, forgive me, my knowledge of Tekken goes up to a certain degree. And then there are other characters, like you'll see like the like I think Iron King or King Jaguar or Iron King. I think Iron King is his name. The wrestler with the Jaguar mask who you see in a trailer. I hope they don't try to fit in as many characters as possible because if they want this story to work, then they need to sacrifice and accept that they can't fit every character in the, into the story. Because if they do, then we have a Street Fighter 2, the motion picture or the movie situation where there's just no reason for 90% of these characters to be in the film. <laughs> yeah um i so the only like the the only problems i have with this trailer are very minor um as as a very casual tekken fan i only ever owned um tekken 3 on the ps1 yeah so i'm i am by no means an expert in the lore um but you know the only other like nitpick I have with this is kind of the same problem I have with a lot of um, English dubs for CG anime where the lip flaps aren't like, aren't like fully aligned, but that's, that's literally like, that is literally like the least of my concerns at the end of the day. I just hope that this is um, an entertaining show that doesn't try to bite off more than it can chew. Yeah, no, we'll have to see because they can't go too far with the plot. Like they can't just say like, oh, we're going to just do all three games, the first three games and such. And it's just like, no, <laughs> I think if they just go from the first uh, game, like plot wise, I think they'll be fine. Yeah, that, that sounds reasonable. Yeah, no, um, but we'll have to see. I'm sure we'll hear about it again in the near future that's usually how netflix go is they release a teaser and then they'll release a trailer a month before <laughs> it comes out now of course we have two other trailers that came out recently we have apollo 10 and a half a space age childhood the new rotoscoped animated feature from richard linklater and well, it's finally nice to see some, it's like something about this film because we learned about it in 2020 and, and it's about like during, you know, the big like Apollo mission, but it's like from the childhood perspective and like the childlike mindsets of, you know, a kid going into a space to help NASA and such, even though in today's climate, that would be like, no, you're not going to send a kid <laughs> into space. You <laughs> spend a million dollars or more. Well, I, I say a million, which, you know, that's underselling how much they actually spend. But the point is, they wouldn't be sending a kid into space. <laughs> and I like this trailer. It's very homey and nostalgic, which is what Linklater is doing for like again he's kind of dipping into his childhood um 
Cameron Crowe style, which, you know, it's about a kid growing up during the 1960s. And we have uh, Glenn Powell, Zachary Levi, and Jack Black, among many other people. And it's being directed by Richard Linklater and written by him, and it will be coming out April 1st. Um, I'm actually kind of jealous of those who saw this film at South by Southwest. Well, because of course this would play there. Um, Linklater is is a Texan. Um, yeah, he's an Austinite. I know yep. because I lived there. I saw him during a special screening of Local Hero, and he filmed a lot of his films in Austin and in Texas. So don't be shocked about that. <laughs> yeah, but no, this I, I honestly think out of out of the three rotoscope uh, movies that he's done. This one definitely looks the best. And this is also the first one that doesn't have Alex Jones in it. Thank God. Um, I'm, oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> that just. Yeah, you, you, me. you forgot about that, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but um, seriously, though, this like even, even just the story uh, about this one sound, sounds like it's going to be fun. Um, I'm always a fan of seeing Zachary Levi in really anything because he's just a he's just a very likable, uh, charismatic uh, performer. And also, when you have Jack Black in a Linklater film, it's it's never going to be less than like it's never going to be less than like a four or four and a half out of five because Jack Black is Linklater's uh, um, good like luck secret. charm. Yeah, no that. That's true. I was a little shocked not to see Ethan Hawke in the cast because he's usually there also, but, or he's there for a lot of Linklater's films. It's from what I remember, but yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll he'll show up in something down the line, but yeah, it is a little surprising to see him missing from the cast. Yeah. Yeah. But it looks good. It's coming out April 1st. It's coming out the same month as uh, bubble the uh, anime film so it's going to be interesting to compare and contrast the two films i mean they're entirely different films it's just like which one will people pay more attention to but you know seeing a director like link later tackle animation is always a interesting time so and then we have the official trailer for the second and possibly last puss in boots film I say that like there was a franchise of films when it's just Puss in Boots from 2011 and then this film. Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, which, you know, is game released in September and has, of course, the return of Antonio Banderas and Salma Hayek as their characters, but it also has um, like Olivia Coleman and Florence who, Pugh. Yes, Florence uh, Pugh. Ray Winstone, John Mulaney. A pretty stacked cast. Yeah, no, and that's not the only thing that's like stunning about the the uh, the film itself. Because I don't know what happened at DreamWorks, but then they are going all in with making films or animated films with stylized CGI animation. Puss in Boots has in this one a much more painted look to it. 
and yes, it's going the route of like what Spider-Verse and the Mitchells versus the Machines did. And, you know, that's, <laughs> that's fine with me. I don't care who did it first. It's the fact that we're getting more films like this. And it's really weird because I watched the entire Shrek franchise over this uh, week because of this trailer. And it, <laughs> I don't want to like be backhanded with my compliment, compliments there with to these previous films but puss in boots the last wish just looks better than like any of the other films mm-hmm. like i still stand by my comments made in uh last year when we did the whole shrek retrospective where um i said the the move to hd animation and better tools did not do the art style any favors and then watching Puss in Boots be like, oh, it's kind of weirdly trying to compromise between the two of having a stylized look, but still feel sensible and grounded within the Shrek universe. This new film just says, screw that. <laughs> and it just looks a hundred times better. It looks more cohesive. It, it's a lot more expressive and... I got a huge kick out of the action and the jokes, especially how you watch uh, Puss in Boots die eight separate times. <laughs> my, favorite, he- my favorite is, um, I think I think it was either like the third or fourth um, life, like life that he, uh, that he lost. It's, it's the one where he's like, cats always land on their feet. And then all you see is like the glass of milk drop to the floor. Yeah, he's like, drunk on milk and he says like cats always land on their feet watch and he just falls off this high tower and it's just like oh okay then (laughs) and just 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 the edit just the editing of of that uh montage is just it's it's so quick and um and kinetic and uh that trailer is so good it is so good and i just love the painted look to everything it's like this is what i want to see with cgi animation i want to see more films whether they are based on something pre-existing or original it's like do more with the animation like i can't wait to see what the action looks more look like in like full like scenes like seeing that wolf with the two hook swords and um then like that sequence where they fight goldilocks and the three bears which that's just hilarious to me that they're basically turning the fairy tale characters into bounty hunters and then, of course, we have uh, a new little side ki- uh, sidekick companion um, of his, who's, uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, Peril, who's voiced by Harvey Gillian, uh, Gillen, who is, uh, you know, he's the main character in What We Do in the Shadows, if you need, if, like, if you heard his voice before and such. And, oh, it just makes me excited that they're, like, I know everyone was like, okay, I guess they're going to make a new one. Like, granted, the the character himself can be, like, disconnected from the Shrek franchise to work still. But it's also been, like, 20, like, 12 years. <laughs> or 11 years, I think. Yeah, 11 years. Since the last film, will people actually care about it? And then it's just like, DreamArch is like, oh, we're going to make you care about it. <laughs> and then, yeah, if DreamWorks wants to go into this, like lean more into the stylish animation, I'm down. 
Okay, so to, an to answer your question of whether or not people care, um, just a little reminder, um, the first Puss in Boots made $555 million on a $130 million budget. So while, that, while that's not like too big of a profit, I, I, I think there's still some, ga some gas in the tank. Well, I mean, like, that's still a lot of money, all things, things considered. It's just like, it's, it's just the, I guess to me, it's, a, it's just like the, the amount of time it has taken for a new film to come out. Fair enough. And, and with that looming threat of a fifth Shrek film hanging over everyone by illumination and such. So and, if and, here, and here's the thing about, about that fifth Shrek film. Um, and I can ask you this because you recently revisited them. Where the hell do you even go um, past um, Forever After? You either, you either reboot the whole thing. You, I, I don't want to say prequelize it, even though we're about to talk about a prequel tonight. <laughs> um, or you just go all out with the fifth film just go as absurd and as cartoony as possible like like go the route of the crudes and such just be absurd be funny like who cares if the story is lightweight as long as the jokes and writing is there people are going to be fine with it yeah it's, I, I guess i guess you're right there's just not there's just not much else to, or like anywhere else for it to go which is why i think they're testing the waters with this new Puss in Boots film. It's like, we'll see the reaction of this and then we'll say everything is a go-go with this fifth film or whatever. Actually, that's, that's a pretty smart um, way to kind of test the waters because pe pe people really do love uh, the Puss in Boots character. So if this, if this movie succeeds, which I have a strong feeling that it will, then that will embolden Universal to be like, okay, we're doing it. Yeah, yeah. And well, it just has a great cast as well. And Antonio Banderas seems like he hasn't lost a beat with this character. Not in the slightest. <laughs> just his delivery and the whole thing. It's just like, just watch. And then just kills himself accidentally. <laughs> uh, but that's all we have for trailers for right now. Hopefully we'll get more the next time we talk about them. But those were some pretty solid trailers. I mean, it mixed overall, but, you know, nothing wrong with that. Indeed. All right. So now we have the rest of the podcast to talk Jujitsu Kaisen. Um, let's, let's start with, like, the, the series itself, because I know, I know that the film is kind of based on a prequel, a prequel manga that came out before the anime. But let's be honest, the movie wouldn't have existed without, without the success of the main anime. So, Which is interesting because the prequel manga actually came out first. And right. then it became such a hit that then they greenlit the show. So now it's in reverse. The series was such a hit, then they greenlit the prequel film. <laughs> yep. It's, it, th th this, is a, this is like a very... Um, it's basically an example of um, chicken, chicken before the egg. Like the closest I could compare this to is 
you know, the Hobbit trilogy coming out after Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings. Right, right. No, it's definitely an interesting situation. And, well, now that all anime is under Crunchyroll, it was going to be interesting because the show came out when Funimation and Crunchyroll were still just two different entities. And Crunchyroll was successful, but they didn't have their own real battle franchise to call their own. And then they got Jujutsu Kaisen. And then, of course, that took off, of course, with MAPPA being the studio behind it and getting the same director as the God of High School as well to direct. I think he directs both the show and the movie. Yep. And I just think that's, it's just really cool because I think we're getting to a point where Shonen Battle franchise stuff is trying to become better and is becoming better because with My Hero Academia, Demon Slayer, and Jujutsu Kaisen, it's like this new wave of the new generation of Shonen franchise shows that would have shown up on Toonami if Toonami aired like or premiered this year i mean this decade and such so we, we, um before we continue would, would you say that um my hero academia demon slayer and uh jujitsu kaisen are like the new naruto bleach in one piece well in a lot of ways they are i mean in more ways than one like they are the new they're going to be long-running uh action franchises but they also represent two different um like situations of production because one piece and naruto especially with the sequel series boruto got kind of stuck into a situation of we have to come out weekly we can't just do like 24 episodes and then go away for a year and then come back for uh, the next season and such which is what you know killed the po- the rising popularity of one punch man even though one punch man is fine the second season was still like very popular it's just i think people would have been fine if they had to wait a year for or two for the next um for the next season and such and that's what's going on with like my hero academia they're not having to do like a constant weekly thing where that where like unlike one piece where one piece has to like be very careful with how it um adapts the manga and such because it's basically coming out around the same time as the anime i mean the manga yeah the manga is coming out the anime is coming out around the same time as the manga and the same with like boruto and such and yet, like, these new shows, like Jiu-Jitsu Kaisen, are able to take their time to be like, we'll take a year, and then we'll be able to pace out how we want to tell the story, how we want to adapt it. Which isn't always a given with some shows, like that Roman boxer anime from last year was like, we're going to go through 10 manga in, like, three episodes <laughs> which is really not a smart way to approach it yeah yeah and it's nice that 
shows like Jujutsu Kaisen are able to be you know, like to take their time so we can just like enjoy the first 24 episodes and then they uh and then they go away for a little bit let us breathe and then they come back a while later or they give you like a movie or something and with demon slayer my hero academia and jujitsu kaisen their franchise films are also produced differently well to an extent my hero academia still kind of falters in that regards but with demon slayer even with the fact that mugen train got turned into a set of episodes even after the film was you know stupidly successful and but they're like it there's just a different vibe to how these shows are getting made these days and it's for the better in some regards like of course as we talk about this as we praise and talk and love the show mappa you need to treat your animators better and i don't care if you're opening a new cg focused studio or you're hiring 500 more people the industry as a whole including you need to train and take care of your animators because if you don't have any animators you don't have any shows so exactly but let's actually talk about jujitsu kaisen so the story follows high school student Yuji Itadori as he joins a secret organization of jujitsu sorcerers in order to kill a powerful curse named Ryomen Tsukuna, of whom Yuji becomes the host. Now, Mike, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to throw you a pitch. Okay. Say I'm someone who's getting into anime. I know nothing about it. I've only watched like the Ghibli films and maybe a Hosoda film or here and there. I haven't really delved into like the seasonal anime drops or any of the big franchise stuff because there's just way too freaking much. If you were going to tell me what is so special about Jujutsu Kaisen in an overall statement before we kind of dive into it, how would you sell me like sell me someone who's again just pretending here not into anime to watch this show i will say this if if you if you like shows with a an irreverent sense of humor um but with dark dark almost nightmare fuel imagery and badass action scenes then you should watch this immediately. Okay, then here's question two. I am now a anime snob. I only like the more artistic anime ever made. Odd Taxi is my favorite anime. <laughs> so let's just start from that point. I am not, and again, this is just situational. I don't like the tropes and everything that comes into play with shown in battle shows what would make me feel, want to check this out if it is just another shown in battle show like what makes it stand out well that's the thing um this still has the tropes of your typical shonen anime but through a far more um refined lens um it helps that all of these characters are likable 
even the ones that you don't think you're going to like, um, they will win you over by the end of the season. Um, and like I said before, the action is incredibly well choreographed. Um, like the ac- the actual designs of all the uh, the curses and the and like the different like monsters of the week are um, they like they all have very unique designs. Um, some of them more well done than than others. But since, since, since you fancy yourself an anime snob. Um, I'm not, if, like, to be clear, I'm not because I'm more welcome and open to ch- watching shonen battle shows. I know, I, I, was, I was speaking hypothetically. Okay, I'm just making sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, since, 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 since you fancy yourself a, um, an anime snob, I'm assuming that you take a liking to Neon Genesis Evangelion. And I think even the, the mangaka um, has confirmed that uh, Evangelion was kind of the influence um, artistically for a lot of these designs. And yeah, that makes, that makes a lot of sense when you really think about it. Yeah, it does. <laughs> now, here's one thing you haven't mentioned yet that I think actually helps with making Jujutsu Kaisen stand out, it's the pacing. Mm. I think what Jujutsu Kaisen does better than most shows, because they're not stuck on a weekly release schedule like, like One Piece. Jujutsu Kaisen kind of knows what like what you're there for, so it can get to a lot of the story beats faster. And it works on making sure you know who the characters are within its cramped, like, 22-minute time, like, runtime. Because by, like, the second episode, we already know all three of the main characters. We know Yuji, we know Megumi, we know Nobara. And I think that's very smart. It's not dragging out its storyline or plot I think what helps is that it didn't start right when the manga was released. It started like maybe a year or a year and a half or so. Something uh, like that. Um, the manga, the manga first, pu- oh, was first published 2018. In- so <laughs> yeah. So that's way long. So yeah, it, it was able to like let the manga breathe a little expand and polish its world and characters. And then Mappa's, like the production committee said like, okay, let's send this to MAPPA because they're the only ones who will make this look good. I mean, outside of like Wit Studio and whatnot, but you know, MAPPA is still one of the studios you go to for, to adapt your extremely detailed action heavy franchise stuff. Now, just a, just a, a, quick, a quick spoiler for one of my negatives of um, the movie is that, um, I I only, I only the only reason I don't think like the animation in the movie is as impressive by Mappa standards is because they do this shit all the time on it like on television. So really if you're going to if you're if you're going to watch um the movie in theaters you're just you're going because of all of the reasons to love the series. Well, we'll talk about that because I think the movie's in a very particular situation that's kind of interesting about it. Now, 
like like I said, I the pacing is what really helps because they move like it's not breakneck pacing like that's what happened to uh the director's last show that he worked on with mappa uh sung park uh directed the god of high school which during uh summer 2020 and everyone was like oh my gosh the action is in this is so great can you for the love of god slow down <laughs> like it basically crammed a, 50, a 52 episode plot into 12 episodes and it suffered for that yeah, no, this this feel this feels a lot more um it, it feels a lot more breathable. And it's like, yes, it does work, go at a fast pace, especially like by the sixth episode, we are introduced to the second year students and the uh exam that takes up for a good chunk of like the uh well the exam doesn't start until like the halfway point, but it's still like you're introduced to everyone early on and you get who they are as characters before they throw you into the exam parts. They, they do focus on this one incident that helps shape uh, UG with in, encountering the supposed, well, one of the major villains of the show with Mahito, a very deranged, cursed individual who uh i know it's a trend is to be like okay what are our current shonen battle anime villains like right now okay they have gray hair perfect (laughs) (laughs) and though i think what helps again it's like yes you know the what these story beats are going to be but they like like i said they just trim it down so much to basically like to the fact that it comes off like oh you know who these characters are per se like you get who they are by the first time you meet them and i think that's so smart Mm -hmm. because i it's kind of like um when a lot of shows are so are kind of meta about who like like we know why you're here so we're going to divulge like indulge in the anime tropes but this one's just like yeah we know you're here but we're going to make sure you have fun and boy do we have fun it's uh, more of like a next generation yu yu haka show it's a horror themed shonen battle anime with some truly just horrifying monsters to look at well curse spirits and what have you but I mean, like, what else do you think really stands out about this show besides its animation and its absurdly great looking <laughs> uh, action stuff? Well, funny, funny you bring up Yu Yu Hakusho because um, back, back in um, 2020, when we talked about the first three episodes, I did make that comparison. But it, w- it wasn't until I think it's like either episode six or seven when Yuji dies that like the comparison really started to become more appropriate. Um, when, once, once like he's, he's revived thanks to um, what, what's the, uh, the spirit or the curse's name, uh, Sukuno. Um, yeah. To a uh, real man, Sukuna. Yeah. Once, once Sukuna bring like brings him back to life. Um, 
that that's when I'm like, oh, okay, so so he's that kind of protagonist. Um, and that's and that's honestly to me when the series um, pivoted from, oh yeah, this is really good to no, this is great because something else that's kind of unique about this show is there is just as much a conflict between um, between our main hero and like the typical monsters of a week to him literally fighting like battling facing his inner demons. Yeah, there's a real like stake within the first part of the show, the first 24 episodes. Yuji is now the host of this incredibly powerful spirit. And they all now have to find those uh, 20 fingers of Sukuna. And then Yuji's going to get killed. <laughs> Sealed. Yeah, so, so basically his arc is like just an entire uh, ticking time bomb. Yeah, and that's what gives it like such like a very get like go get or sorry a very um like let's get going right now attitude because we that's what the the story wants you wants to get going and that's what Sungu Park like specializes in if the God of High School is any in any you know thing to go by <laughs> um, and. They are able to make these trope, like the characters that like these familiar characters work. I like Yuji. He's not that obnoxious of a main character. He's more kind of like a mix of like uh, Yurameshi, uh, Yusuke, and Luffy from One Piece in a lot of ways. Like he's he's the, com- the combination of both of those characters. He's strong and ready to just fight. But he's also very happy and go lucky, especially when he beats his teacher at that uh, metal ball throwing thing in the first <laughs> episode. How he's just like, okay, so if I beat you, you won't, you will stop asking me to join the sports club. Okay, boom. Okay, bye. <laughs> Zoom. <laughs> just instantly humiliating him in front of the entire school. I, I also love how his like his um his goals aren't aren't like too lofty, like um pretty pretty much his entire raison d'etre in this show is to lit to live up to um his grandpa's two dying wishes is one of one of them is just help help out people and surround like surround yourself um by like like good company right right now um and that's nice it's just like he's it's not like i'm going to be the next supreme leader or i'm going to be the number one hero or something it's just like i want to be a good person and that's nice it's such a realistic goal and such like the the rise to fame and and popularity will come but be a good person first and i like how megumi Fushiguro is not just the edgy bad boy character or at least he's like the more tolerable version of it yeah it's 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 not it's not like he's um you know Sasuke or anything where he just kind of hates the main protagonist like um to a ridiculous degree no he's 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 pretty chill and kind of like Yuji um he he has 
you know, he has a good uh, moral compass. Yeah, right, right. And his power is really cool with summoning spirits to help him and such. And by the way, he's voiced by Robbie Damon, who uh, was an infin he was an Infinity Train as a, uh, you know, uh, he was one of the main characters of that show. Uh, oh yeah, he's he's uh, Jesse. Yeah, he's Jesse, and not to say that that's the only thing he's from. He's been in other things. He's in Demon Slayer. He's in Nino Kuni. He's in like BNA, and he's uh, he's the main character in the God of High School. <laughs> uh, it's full circle um and he's also in like attack on titan and sleepy princess and the demon castle uh he's al- he's also in a remain yeah and uh he's in aqua aquaman king of atlantis as just finhead <laughs> and if you've seen the recent my hero academia film he's uh fleck turn the uh the main villain of the third film so <laughs> And he's just like, he's not just like, oh, I hate everyone, which is like, I get it. We, when we're 13 and such, we think the edgelord character is the coolest thing ever. And then when we get older, it's like, oh gosh, I would have found this person insufferable. (laughs) Like if I met him today. (laughs) And a fun fact about Yuji's voice actor, Adam MacArthur, if you've seen, um, star versus the forces of evil he's marco diaz oh wow yeah <laughs> and um if you watch my hero academia he's uh koku hanabata he, who's like a major vil- secondary villain in the show oh and from orbital children he's a uh, tayo yeah yeah and um and then he's also in like the saints magic powers on omnipotent and in shadow's house we're going to just recognize a bunch of cool people. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this like new crop of, uh, of uh, dub actors. Yeah, being able to work in both anime and mainline US shows. But let's also talk about one of the things that Jujutsu Kaisen does way better than most of uh, Shonen Battle shows. Let's talk about uh, these next two characters. Let's start with Nobara Kusisaki. Kujisaki, who is thankfully not a Sakura <laughs> of from Naruto. And I know we're going to be punching on Naruto and it's like not even like it's a trope. It's a cliche to punch on Naruto for its writing. But when Naruto is such a big thing and then you see Nobara walk into play, it's like there's no contest. Nobara is a better female protagonist of the trio of main characters of first year students oh yeah she's not useless and she's not complaining she's not just glumping onto megumi because he's the edgy bad boy and what what have you he's more she's more in line with like kind of in the middle of the two just like she'll be super excited with yuji on certain things and then be just as serious to get the job done like megumi is and she's more of a hard-edged character than most shonen battle shows make female characters which even with stuff like kimono jihen it's like well i like the female characters there but they're still kind of written the same way as most uh shonen battle shows i I think all of the female characters in this show 
are um are some of my favorite um that i've seen in anime at least this decade and i like the ones from one piece i like robin and nico uh, nico robin's just one person um oh i forgot her name though uh nami and nico but it took time to make those characters flesh out like to become more complex and such here nobody is like i don't take nonsense very well and i'm gonna shove a bunch of nails into you (laughs) also she has a straw voodoo doll that's that is terrifying yeah very interesting take on like she's not the healer character which great we needed to kill that trope right where it stood like even when it first happened it's like bam no more (laughs) and then we have our mentor character satoru gojo who he's like a more bubbly kakashi because and not just because of the the band the mask part covering his face he's like he will take the job seriously but he's got a more chipper attitude compared to everyone and within the movie and the show itself you will understand why he does that oh yeah and, um but just on, just on the surface um gojo is probably the most chaotic good character i've <laughs> in the entire series yeah i think that's right and yes he i mean yeah under that doofy demeanor he's immensely powerful one of the strongest characters within the show and franchise but it is just funny seeing him be like oh yeah by the way while you two were dealing with this immensely terrible curse and trying to get one of the first fingers first i went to this place to get mochi (laughs) it's like you could really (laughs) you're on an important mission and you side side quested to get some sweets (laughs) And I think the dynamic between Yuji and Sukuna is a lot more interesting than like, oh, I like I have to make this deal with the devil kind of character. I mean, granted, Sukuna is literally the devil in some regards, but Sukuna fights back like much harder than most. He's not just like, aren't you kind of pathetic? Why am I here? Why should I listen to you? And then like begrudgingly like, well, fine, I guess I'll help you. He's more just like, listen, you can take control as much as you want, but sometimes I want to come out. And then when Yuji is just like, I need your help, he will sass back. And I think that's a very good like, dynamic between the two that he's just like, I'm not really here to help you. <laughs> like, yeah, their, their, their relationship is like, look, I, I'm I'm just living here uh, rent free, so yeah, you're stuck. You're stuck with me. I, I I need you. I need you to live, but that doesn't mean I'm going to help you unless I unless I feel like it. Right, right. In, in some ways, so that 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 kind of makes Yuji a little bit OP because you know poisons don't work on him or um a bunch like, of stuff doesn't work on him. Yeah. But I think what works is the fact that Sukuna, like, Yuji is having to be more reliant on his training this time around. Like, throughout the first, at least for this first season, Sukuna doesn't really help. The only time he does help 
it's when the villain uh, Mahito comes in and so it's like, I'll just invade your brain and take him for his powers for myself. And Sukuna's just like, uh, no, get the hell out of here. And then just flicks him out because he's just that strong. He could just like get like deal with nonsense. Like it's a flea biting him or something like that. So I think that's like the other thing that keeps this show very compelling. It's just like, where is that dynamic going to go? Is the like chemistry between the two, like, are they going to actually be able to cooperate with one another as Yuji gets more, like eats more of the fingers and then Suka becomes more powerful. Like, will Sukuna be more willing to cooperate? Because if Yuji dies, he dies. And he knows that like, oh, I can't let that happen. <laughs> and then we have, I guess let's talk about the secondary characters or like, I guess the second year students because we are introduced again. Before, before very... we get to them, can we, oh. talk, can we talk about the, the, the faculty and the staff? Cause they're, they're actually some, some of my favorites. Um, okay, so we, so we have the principal uh, Masamichi Yaga who's voiced by Keith Silverstein. He's able to put spirits into dolls, which is very delightful to see. It leads to some of the more flexible cartoony animation that you can see and his first major mission that our deal like task he gives Yuji is to like watch a movie and then keep the doll next to him calm or else the doll will kick the tar out of him <laughs> uh, but what other characters that you like um I I think I think my favorite might be um uh Kento Nanami um who's voiced in the English dub by David Vincent he, he's the one i i believe he's he's the one um with like yeah. the uh the blonde hair and the suit yeah the and one he, with the with the butcher knife and how he's just like like being a jujitsu sorcerer sucks but so i quit and got a desk job and then i realized something working nine to five is a hellish situation so i quit doing that <laughs> yeah he's he he's a very fun character in that regard Part, partially because he's like personality wise the complete opposite of gojo um right but he's also he's also kind of a badass and all all of the fight scenes that he's in um and we'll get we'll get to the movie too because he gets a little moment to shine right are like he um for for a lot of those reasons he's he's just he's just awesome everything from like the his character design to his wardrobe uh, and just like the relationship that he has with his students particularly Yuji they, they they seem to get along well enough um right that's that's, that's one of my favorites yeah no um he's he's got this curse ability to basically like he can pinpoint a part of the body and if he strikes it it does immense damage it's never the same spot every single time and then we also have of course like the headmaster yoshinobu gakuganji who's voiced by kyle Heber. hey kyle um and he for well it and it's kind of a shame we don't really get to see what he does with the with the uh metal guitar <laughs> which is apparently his ability, but he helps introduce like another layer to the world of like the sorcery school and such, 
because not everything is as it seems with uh, Yoshinobu and just jujitsu high and such, especially with having everything revolve around Yuji. Essentially, like during the exam part, he essentially tells the other students that like, hey, you didn't hear it from us, but you gotta kill Yuji. If you do, that, that would be swell. <laughs> it shows like a corruption within the school and the, like the politics of the like jujitsu like world and such because he sees Yuji as just like an un, like a non-stop threat like there's nothing really saying like huh maybe he's not a threat but no he's just kind of like if he's in the same room as me I'm going to kill him <laughs> basically taking taking that quote from Batman v Superman like if, if there's even a 1% chance um, that he's our enemy, we have to take that as, as an absolute certainty. Right, right. And then during, like, again, by episode five or six, we're introduced to the other students, like Maki Zenin, who's voiced by Allegra Clark, Panda, voiced by Matthew David Rudd, and to, uh, Toge Inumaki, who's voiced by Xander Mobis. With Maki, she's able to use curse weaponry and cannot see curses herself. That's why she wears the glasses and such. She's also another hard-edged character who takes no nonsense, which is just a nice change of pace because usually like with a lot of shonen shows, they try to give you every flavor of like, what like, like what are you attracted to? <laughs> it's like, you got your hard-edged character, you got your brat, you got your shy character, you got your yandere, and you get the idea. Uh -huh. Then we have Panda, who's, well, three spirits in one Panda body, who is really cool. I like his the idea of just, like, here are these cursed spirits sharing this one body that uh, Masamichi gave these spirits. And he's more like the equalizer. He's He doesn't want to get into fights, but he'll fight if he has to. Oh, yeah. And then we got Toge, who is just, like, like, I mean, his character is very interesting because at first he's just saying sushi ingredients is like salmon or mullet roe or, or seaweed or rice. And Bonito that's all flakes. he can say. Yeah, bonito flakes. <laughs> and you kind of think like, what the hell is with him? And then he has cursed speech to where it, it's basically like the mind reading quirk from My Hero Academia. If he says something, you're going and it, you're caught within his vicinity you're going to be caught in his trap. Like we, what we see in the movie where he says like crush the whole cursed spirit thing just got squished <laughs> like a, like a, like someone squeezing a the juice out of an orange. And then we get like the other school classmates that include like Kasumi Miwa, who's also voiced by Allegra Clark. We got Mai Zinin, the sister to Maki who's voiced by Laura Post. Um, Momo uh, Nishimiya, who's voiced by Tara Jane Sands. Mechamaru Ultimate, a mech suit-like character who is piloted by someone like not in the same location, who's voiced by uh, Keith Silverstein. Noritoshi Kamo, who's voiced by Landon McDonald, who uses like arrows and blood curse techniques. But let's talk about what seems to be everyone's favorite character, 
Aoi Toto, who's also voiced by Xander Mobis. Oh my God. <laughs> Toto is, I, I don't, I don't know how to describe Toto other than he's a lot. <laughs> yeah. He, he's, he's like, he, he is, I, I don't want to call him the himbo of the show because he is a lot more intelligent no, but, but like, he's he's a muscle head. Uh, he's a muscle head trope character. He think you think that he's all about being beefy and strong, and he is. But and like the show that actually uh, reveal reveals within the movie shows that he is immensely strong, terrifyingly te- like s- strong. Like he's basically one of the the strongest characters in the show, and yet. He, his like some of his personality traits come through with like he'll ask you the maybe just kind of weird icebreaker question of like what type of woman you're into and then if he likes your question well if he doesn't like your your answer he'll beat the call you boring yeah he'll call you boring and then beat the tar out of you but then like with yuji when yuji answers his question and by the way it is so weird that this is yet another anime that is able to say like the actual names of real life people like Yuji saying like I'm Yuji Itadori and my preferred uh, woman is Jennifer Lawrence and it's like wait what (laughs) right it's it it, it's it's very um it's 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 it can be it can be a little bit of a of a whiplash going between like real life celebrities and then like the kind of made up ones uh for this universe well it's like they know what human centipede is but it's not human centipede or it's like that looks like lord of the rings but it's probably not called lord of the rings like when uh yuji is watching a bunch of movies and such it's like watching japan sinks and then being like i'm going to order a bunch of stuff off of amazon and it's like oh that's weird or like how every anime known to man has a certain form of mcdonald's as like wick donald's or mcdornald's or something <laughs> like that <laughs> and so first of all that was just kind of weird but anyway when yuji answers toto's question toto is just like you are my bro man <laughs> like they get into like a bromance and bond between the two they even like play that up with like these non sequiturs of the two of them being like bros in a high school slice of life anime <laughs> oh those 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 crack me up like every time this show is shockingly funny with how it handles its humor now it's a little much at times like when toto goes about this like your significance as a man is totally dependent on how, what kind of woman you like and even though like megumi does the reasonable thing and to say like uh, looks aren't really all that important. I like personality more, even though Toto's just like, what the hell did you just say? <laughs> he, he, he's, basically, he's basically like responding as if, as if uh, Megumi said, you know. Like the, wor- the worst thing ever. Like, yeah, like but it, it, he responds like he just like insulted his mother. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's also like, like he will kill, like beat the tar out of you. But Toto does have one thing that he will like make sure to finish before. Like he has this one thing where he loves this one uh, idol 
girl that you see see and no matter what's going on he's going to be like it's like the idols like christmas special is going to be airing and i'm going to watch it (laughs) you could just record it no i'm going to watch it live along with everyone else because she's that important to me it's like they handle these characters in a very entertaining way like they still give them like plenty of backstory and such but they all work well off of one another like at least for these students for right now and i like that because sometimes it takes forever like in naruto or one piece for the side characters to like oh finally you got something interesting about you like with naruto it was like man who's this shinji character i don't or shino character i don't really care oh he controls bugs like 35 episodes later we find that out yeah that, okay. that that's what i like about about this show so far um e- even about like half halfway through you you've established uh pretty much the like the whole ensemble so you you have a you have a really good idea of of who these characters are what they what they like what they're into um their motivations etc cetera, etc cetera. right right now for the villains so we kind of mentioned that mahito is a horrifying individual basically his cursed inner spirit ability is to essentially like reshape people like with his hands which someone broke this down with uh, talking about the opening they make sure to emphasize like when he shows up and then like in the first opening like all the people are surrounding him and then they cut to like his monstrous creations and then they make sure to emphasize that like you do not want him touching you and we see we see what happens (laughs) he Mm -hmm. just will misshapen people basically killing them or he'll reshape someone into a cursed spirit like that we see within ut uh, yuji's first real dramatic story arc of trying to save this one student that just happened to befriend mahito and then we're also introduced to like a few strong cursed spirits with let's see where are they uh jogo this volcanic uh cursed spirit who's voiced by michael sorik who uh is a really good implication of just like okay how strong can these curses be and then we also have like hanami this more nature forest tree like cursed spirit voiced by mary westbrook and then we have dagon which is essentially cthulhu (laughs) basically i mean so far we haven't seen what he does but you know considering how strong these first two are it's got it's all like assuming that you don't want to really mess with him unless you have a plan, even though he, all he does is really just float around and look adorable, like a little Cthulhu plush doll. <laughs> but then we have our, like the main villain of the movie and the show, uh, Suguru Ghetto, who's voiced by Lex Lang, which, you know, it's surreal to hear uh, Goemon Ishikawa from Lupin the Third be the villain. <laughs> <laughs> who is this um, cursed spirit, like this jujitsu sorcerer who wants just a world of other sorcerers. He wants to get rid of them and, and by collecting all these cursed spirits and 
Like he doesn't do a whole lot within the anime at first, but you get the idea of how dangerous he is just by how everyone talks about him out and how he was one of the first and only, well, one of the few students to be banished. So, you know, something's up. Would would you, would you say like, he's the, um, like the Sauron or Voldemort of the series so far? Pretty much. He's also the better version of Naraku from Inuyasha because while he does have like strategy in hand, especially with what we see in the uh, movie and whatnot, he isn't really like, like bothered by if he has to get his hands dirty, which I like. I like villains that are more hands-on. Like, yeah, <laughs> for a better or worse term, hands-on. And Mahito is also like very curious and very playful and not naive per se, but he, like the fact that he almost got himself killed and then he's just like, yeah, I almost got myself killed. Whoops. <laughs> Acting <laughs> like, oh, like, oh, it's just a minor inconvenience. I like these villains. I think they're way more interesting than just like, oh, here's Orochimaru. And then he's going to be gone for like 20 episodes until he shows up and what he's doing is just sitting around. <laughs> and like no, the problem with Naraku was just like, he was more of a strategist and you really didn't believe how, I mean, he was strong, but the fact that he would be like in the background more or less most of the time was tiring after a while. It's like, what's his point? What's his plan besides getting the jewel and whatever? Here, it's just like, you know who the villains are, you know what their plans are, and you know how threatening they can be. Mm-hmm. Again, I think that's just what makes the show so good. It, or at least the writing and this adaptation of the source material. It's very quick and getting you like, okay, new character. This is his deal. Okay, now let's keep the story going. Yeah, these, um, I'm just going to say it one more time because like this show honestly does it better than others. Like the pacing is so, is so much better than, you know, the traditional uh, shonen anime. Right, right. And then when, all is said is said and done. They build up the world, the corruption, the main goal of the villains and such. The action and the animation is, of course, extremely top-notch. Mappa, warts and all. There's a reason why they have some of the best animation in the anime industry. Just the detail, just the visual fluidity, and the fact that they just they know how grand scale these battles are. Mm-hmm. Even, even in like those first three episodes or hell, just like the first episode, the fights are, are like very, very creative in how they're staged. And it's, and it's even, it's even like more, more elaborate than just, than just like, power beams and and martial arts like there's there's a little bit more flair to each of these scenes right right no they 
there's a real dynamic sense of action with how like the can how the camera moves and how I like it'll like be close up and then zoom out and then zoom back in. And just the feeling and the gravity of all the, like the punches, the kicks, and the move, and just the strategy and and all that jazz, like it's like there, it's really fun to watch, and it makes a lot of like shows that are supposed to be action look really mediocre. Like Naruto could look great, but you'd have to let it have the time to do so, which is not always the case they would always just have like one camera angle characters would punch and do the typical stuff it would it would be fine but this is what happens when you aren't you know committed to a weekly release like a non-stop week- weekly release and what have you yep and it and it just hits harder like action anime from mappa hit harder like same with like wit studios and you foldable the Studios who worked on, you know, like Attack on Titan and um and Demon Slayer. Like they're making sure, and it obviously helps that these shows are getting all the money as well. So they're able to make these battles look as good as they do. They make them look as cinematic as they do, as feature film quality as they do. And unfortunately, that's not always a given with most anime. And not every anime needs to, but it's always a a nice thing to see like a comedy or something get like the same intense commitment of an action show to its comedy and such. And you don't notice it until you actually watch something like this or and what have you. It's an overall really polished show, like presentation wise. And unfortunately that is coming off from like the result of overworked underpaid animators which you know hashtag new deal for animation and let's hope that deal can go over to anime and such and the anime industry can get unionized and such seriously because i love these i love anime i love shows like this you gotta treat your animators well (laughs) because apparently there's a lot of like issues from mapper of just like yeah, we wouldn't have to be redrawing everything if you actually taught people how to animate and such, which, you know, is never a good sign or a good thing to hear. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was the big story from last year when, uh, well, it was like the first time something was wrong with MAPPA where one of the head animators quit because he's like, I wouldn't be able to work on any of the things we're being overworked because they keep booking like four projects at once. And it just makes you wonder why can't more anime studios be like Kyo Annie? <laughs> Seriously. Now, of what we know so far, of what we've seen so far with this new season coming out in 2023, what, do you have any issues with Jujutsu Kaisen, the show? Because I want to talk about the show first, and then we can jump into the movie. Honestly, with the show, I don't really have a lot to complain about. Um, other, other than, other than like, I want to, see, I just want to see more from from these characters. I want to learn a little bit more about, um, you know, I want to learn a little bit more about like um, how the curse world 
works. Um, I also want to know a little, a little bit more backstory of uh, Sukuna and why, why he is like as, um, as like revered and feared as he is. But as, as far as like actual, like actual criticisms, I can't really say I have too many. Like, um, the 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 show is just it it's it is it's good. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just it's just rock solid. Um, had had I had I seen this, um, like had this show come out um, when I was younger, you know, around the time of Yu Yu Hakusho. Um, and all of those other classic shonen series, this this would have like easily been an all time favorite. Yeah, yeah. I think some of the pacing can be a little wonky at times. Like I get it, you want to cut the fat as much as possible, but sometimes there were moments where I was like, okay, maybe let the show the story breathe a little even though I understand it's like you want to get to the more important story beats and then of course the big action sequences where the second half of the season has some of the best action sequence in anime you can tell that's where all the resources went (laughs) oh certainly especially with the fight against Hanami which is just funny because it's just like oh they're standing around for a lot of these episodes they're just kind of talking and then Hanami shows up and it's like, oh, that's where all the money went. <laughs> yeah. But otherwise, there aren't that many issues. It's not like My Hero Academia where it's just kind of like, yeah, the female characters are better, but they're still fairly under- underdeveloped and like as characters. Um, and, but they're, yeah, it's just really really good and i know a lot of people are upset that it's like oh we gotta wait a year for more jujitsu kaisen and it's just like hey we just got this movie we'll be fine if you want animators to be treated better even with mappa doing you know a hundred million shows you gotta let these shows take their time to get made exactly because we saw what happened with one punch man i know beating a dead horse i get it but one Punch Man is the result of like them not wait wanting to wait because they were afraid that people wouldn't like One Punch Man a year from now. And now it's just kind of like, well, okay, if there's a third season coming out, it better be good. <laughs> and you don't want to do that with something at, with a Shonen Battle franchise. You don't want to have that like moment of re- lapse in quality because that will hurt the brand. Oh, yeah. So, but speaking of movie, let's talk about the prequel movie because I think there's a lot more to talk about with this. I mean, we talked about the show. It's great. Loved it. One of my favorite shows from 2020. But I think as a whole, Jujutsu Kaisen Zero is a lot more interesting to talk about. Um, So... just it just in terms of story and just its release and what have you so oh yeah um but for those for those who want a little synopsis um this film and we're not even quite sure where where this takes place it just kind of takes place before yuji 
I think um, it takes place like a year or so before the main story starts because okay oh, oh that's right because um the set the second years that are more of the focus here are first year students okay that that makes more sense anyway yeah, they're they're still strong and like awesome it's just you know it's like oh they were in 10th grade this year in the show but now they're ninth grade here so right uh, so the film follows um, Yuta uh, Akatsu, a nervous high school student who is suffering from a serious problem. His childhood friend Rika has turned into a curse and won't leave him alone. Since Rika is no ordinary curse, his plight is noticed by Satoru Gojo, a teacher at Jujutsu High, a school where fledgling exorcists learn how to combat curses. Gojo convinces Yuta to enroll but can he learn enough in time to confront the curse that haunts him? Um, so, so let's talk about this for a second. This is a prequel film. It's pretty much the perfect franchise film. I because, would agree with that. Because, I mean, I have my issues with the story, but just as a product, uh, as a piece of media, it's perfect because you don't need to know anything about the show to get into it to watch it you are pretty much caught up with everything with the story and it even kind of is meta about it where it's just like oh yeah this is what the school is here for and they're just like and you're just telling the main the kid now <laughs> <laughs> like i think that was just a meta joke on it it, the it, fact- it had to be because like um that that was definitely one of my one of my biggest laughs yeah, no, it, that that was great. Just a good hearty laugh there, and and then it's just like it actually rewards you if you go into the show right after, but it also rewards you if you watch the show first. Which I know it sounds kind of confusing, but it's like you can watch it on your own and then watch the show. But if you want to, you can also go back to the film after the show is done or with this first season right now is done and then everything kind of hits harder story beats that are mentioned within the anime are shown here like the big parade during uh december 24th at the mark the cursed spirit parade and whatnot and tojo or toto or tojo being all like like basically laying waste to a bunch of cursed spirits, <laughs> which is referenced within the show, like stuff like that. And that's just cool. Like it's a very weird oddity of a franchise film because we've talked about this with Demon Slayer and everyone kind of knows me. I'm not a huge fan of franchise films. They're usually filler. They introduce a bunch of cool, interesting story beats that, that, are, ne- that never get brought up again. Yeah, and then you're watching the anime and it's just like, oh man, it's too bad you don't have this from the movie, but that's not canon, so... <laughs> Here, it is actually important to the overall franchise to watch this because the show does um, show reference to Yuta a couple times during the later parts. And then it's a, like, that's a good way to be like, huh, who is this character they keep referencing with the sword and such? And now it's like, well, hey, buddy, hey, I heard you want to know more about the character. 
we got this fancy new movie that you can watch that's all about him <laughs> like um now speaking of utah i have i have to ask um out of, out of the two central protagonists who do you prefer utah or yuji I think Yuji as a whole, but Yuta, Yuta's kind of stuck in a damn if you do, damn if you don't kind of situation because Yuta himself starts off as a very like, I'm a meek kind of submissive male character and everyone kind of like hangs over me and is like pushes me around or like takes control of the situation that I, I need to be more helpful in and that character is not always well written you have to be so careful because if you get the whiny emo kid character it's tough because that character trope was like fresh and new like when akira came out for at least for the American audience. But then like when Sasuke is just so prevalent with how he, uh, how he acts and who he is, like people are then going to be like, man, I can't stand this person. Like it's just, this is like, get me out of the room with him. <laughs> but I think Yuta is an interesting character to someone who has to deal with loss and grief especially since he's the one who cursed uh, Rika to be connected with him and Rika to be this monstrous spirit. And I do, but I do like his introduction like to the other classmates because in this film, we're all, we are reintroduced or if you watch the film first, introduced to Maki, Toge and Panda and how he does his first step. And then everyone's just like, oh, we might have to kill him right now. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what do you think about Yuta? Like, do you agree that he's kind of annoying or do you think it just comes with the territory, especially with Yuta's backstory of being like a sick child and then losing his friend Rika at a young age and being just kind of like, I don't know where to go with life. Um, I, only, I only found him annoying in the very beginning um partially partially because to some extent he's kind of our he he's um at least for like the first for the first act he's kind of our audience surrogate in terms of like in like in sort of in terms of like introducing us to the world of uh the jujitsu sorcerers but what once we actually get into like the meat of his arc um and once you realize that, that this movie is ultimately a love story and a story about, you know, finding closure um, with, with grief, you, like, you, you, end, you end up really warming up to, uh, to Utah by the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, he's handled better than most. But I understand that some people are like, Oh gosh. <laughs> but that's kind of unfortunately the thing. He's meek and kind of weak at the beginning. And then as he encounters his first cursed spirit situation, which those spirits at the school school are just creepy as hell. 
<laughs> oh yeah their their designs are very um very jiggly well it's like the it's like the movie looked at the show and it's just like oh huh weird the the dial was only at 11 it needs to be at 20 <laughs> yep oh those things with the, like the one eye and like the stitched shoes thing and hearing the spirits say like you gotta put put me on and then like that what that big blue spirit with the legs and such like oh when they first meet it just creepy creepy stuff i don't think you would be horrified but i could see someone being like getting a good scare here and there these characters very like willing like let themselves fit into like a more horror emphasized show Mm -hmm. especially like with suguru who is our main villain of the film and i'm glad and like it's weird because like i felt weird criticizing the show because it was like yeah but you know we'll probably see more of them in the future and see what happens but a lot of the prequel (laughs) uh answers those questions for us like that's how we find out that suguru wants to rule a world with just sorcerers and such he has like this thing where he calls humans monkeys and at, every time he deals with them he sprays a little like uh cleaning uh spray on him he's like oh i don't want the monk the people to smell the monkeys on me and it's just like jesus buddy <laughs> And then we're also introduced to like a bunch of other sorcerers that are luckily not uh, movie exclusive because it sounds like they are going to be, they play a more important part, mm-hmm. which is nice because I like Miguel and just he- hearing the idea of like, oh, so there are different ways of jujitsu sorcery around the world. And uh, Bill Butts plays Miguel and he's great as usual. And then we got like the two teenagers, the one who like, you don't get this. I think that's one of the few criticisms I have, and I hope we see them more in the future. They don't do a whole lot with these side villains. They're just kind of there. Most of the time, like in a franchise action film, they would have like a bunch of, like they would have the big bad. And then they would have like maybe three or four if you're lucky five uh exclusive villains for like a bunch of the characters to fight oh yep and here it sounds like there's a little more like these characters will appear again it's just the story is not about them it's about uh yuta and just him coming with closure and just being like i will protect my friends and I mean, like, it just has a lot of the same things about the what make the show great. It's funny. I mean, not all the jokes hit, but it's still, like, very humorous at points. Though I don't think any joke hits as hard as the whole, like, so you're just telling him now? <laughs> yeah, I, that that one was kind of my biggest laugh. But every, every other, like, um, point of uh, comic relief would still still hit, like, still hit pretty hard. It's so um, like I still got a chuckle like when Panda takes Utah away from him his sparring match with Maki. Even though like I don't like the joke itself, it's still just like Panda being a punk, which you don't really see in the in the show. It doesn't mean like 
hey M- maki you got a chance and it's just like oh my god <laughs> you are the worst and so and gojo of course is his usual bubbly self where he's he'll say something horrific and then be like now let's go get ice cream hooray <laughs> and toge got gets a little more time to like show the more nuance of his limited speech and i like that i like that they do build up the characters and then when you watch the show it's like oh yeah these characters are here and then the bit the final action sequence well the action in the late like it's all it's good all around especially when uh rika's cursed form and at the beginning like like tears apart the school and then when yuta and toge have to deal with that once uh high level cursed spirit then of course the but the big set piece is well it's like a two-parter you got the parade of demons and then the fight between ghetto and yuta that that fight is the reason i went to see this movie twice in theaters because um, it looks great on the big screen it does (laughs) um I, I did I did mention earlier that like a kind of sort of nitpick I had um, with the film is that um, compared to the show it doesn't it doesn't look all that different um, and I'm only I'm literally only saying that great grading it on MAPA standards because like if this if this was at any other studio or like some of the lesser um, people like like light in films Th- this this would be like amazing it's um it's, you know it's, i i understand what you're saying it's basically like map is already working out of 10 yeah so they this, have this, to this is, really this is, step it up to yeah. really make their already pretty rock solid animation stand out more yeah like this is this is only a, an 11 compared to um the show's 10 but this would right. be like a 20 compared to um again not to pick on Leiden, but um you know well, it, it's kind of hard to not to because how Leiden really stretched themselves thin with how a child of kamiari month looked so mm-hmm. i i understand it's just you know it's stuff like that happens and of course like saying mappa always does amazing work is still again at the cost of overworking their animators which is a shame because it sounds like you want anime to look like mappa all the time well that means less anime has to come out and the work the animators have to have more time exactly (laughs) and i think people would be willing to do i'm just saying i think people would be willing to do more of that but anyway now I will say one thing that does irk me about the film is the fact that Yuta and Rika's romance is not really great. Well, not great, but undercooked. Like, I understand it's like they do... Well, it's like the same issue with the show. It wants you to know, like, right then and there, what the... uh, what the driving goal of the show of the movie is yuta wants to take care of rika and find out why the curse has happened to him but the show doesn't i mean the film doesn't 
have a lot of time to really like have moments where it's just Yuta and Rika talking. Rika is just unfortunately gets the uh, the Demon Slayer treatment and is only brought out to be horrifically violent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it would have been nice to see more of Yuta and Rika on screen, just like just talking or something. Yeah, or like if, like if, fleshing them out. And who knows? Maybe they'll do that with the show if Yuta is brought back into the fold, which I'm sure he is. Oh, I know he, he, he absolutely will be. I just think Rika got the short end of the stick because we already know Maki's going to be great. And we have hopes that like Nanako Hasaba, Mimiko Hasaba, and Manami Suda, the three other female characters outside of like the faculty and such are going to be better but rika doesn't get that and that's kind of a shame yeah it like it, it's a bit unfortunate because really all we know about about these, these two characters is that you know um they 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 met they met each other kind of when they were both in the hospital and then all we really know about the relationship is like they love each other and then she dies in a car accident. Yeah, like she gives him Yuta a ring and y- Yuta makes the promise slash curse slash deal. It's like, yes, when we get older, we will get married. And that's why Rika is so protective and like at really the beck and call of Yuta. Well, not beck and call, but like there's that moment where she thinks Maki is stealing Yuta and Yuta's like, chill. And then Rika acts like, like, oh, I'm so sorry. Don't, don't hate me. And Yuta's like, I don't hate you. It's just like, it, it's definitely like interesting. It's like out, out of like what this movie does well, it does have a few moments where it's like, I wish they could have done better, but I hope they don't try to do something like what Demon Slayer Mugen Train did, where they made a super successful film and then they chopped it up to make episodes uh jujitsu kaisen zero doesn't work as like its own little mini anime series it works as a film do not touch it unless you wanted to add in a few more scenes of yuta and rika's bond and such but who knows i haven't read the original kaisen zero manga i'm just saying from a film like for someone who's just watching the anime in the film yeah and even uh, like from from what i understand like even even the movie kind of added added a few a few like details of um uh gojo that like yeah. that yeah that like weren't in the manga already so if if the film if it the film is already kind of a, a more fleshed out version of uh, the prequel manga then i don't think they need to you know convert this into like a tv arc yeah they don't need to do much else and i like getting a little more about gojo and his uh dynamic and friendship between ghetto because you can kind of tell like they expand on that where they were best friends and then a different of a difference of ideals one that is immensely more uh genocidal <laughs> you know I would break up with friends who thought like that too. I'm just saying <laughs> um, that Ghetto was hurt, but still considers Gojo a friend and Gojo still thinks 
Ghetto as a friend. But yeah, wanting to kill the entire human race except for other sorcerers gets you put on the bad guy list. <laughs> but so as much as I like to say it's like, oh, it's a perfect franchise film. Could someone who's not into anime just go and watch this because like no preconceived notions and such. Like if someone just said, hey, let's watch a movie and they see, oh, what's this Jujitsu Kaisen Zero? Do you think like most people could walk in and be like, yeah, <laughs> you can watch it. Like no strings attached. Um, I'd say yes and no. Yes, because as, as we've pretty much established, because this is a prequel, you do not need you do not need to do any uh, homework before beforehand. So you can you can just go in and watch this and enjoy it um, as it is. But at the same time, it is what it is one of those movies that you know, despite getting a pretty wide release and according to the box office, um, it's super it, successful. Yeah, seventeen million. Um, on its opening weekend that is mad impressive um, super impressive i mean granted just like mugen train there's a lot of context to take into consideration there is really nothing else coming out <laughs> yeah theater wise i mean and i mean there are smaller films but like in terms of like big films yeah it's pretty, like, pretty much no, nothing 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 is is um in theaters right now that's like bigger than the batman right which you know it didn't have to be like that turning red <laughs> sorry um, um but but going back to my uh answer um i i would um i i i would warn warn people who are like total anime virgins that you know um some some of the more like some of the nuances um might be um acquired tastes you know like like the um the uh to like the tonal like the tonal whiplash between you know some of the darker imagery and like the just completely uh irreverent humor um that might take some getting used to but other than that i honestly can comfortably recommend this to anyone whether you're a hardcore fan or just someone who's kind of curious uh, to see what the hype is about. Yeah. It, like as much as I liked Mugen Train, you really had to watch the show. And unfortunately, like the My Hero Academia films are very much, you have to watch the show to enjoy the, the films kind of thing. And that's a shame that like, I think I'm, Granted, I think that's the one thing that's always going to hurt uh, franchise films is that you will have to do a little more homework than most. Granted, Jujutsu Kaisen Zero basically says you don't have to do any homework if you don't want to, to watch it. It's just kind of tough. So like, I have to be very picky about who I show, what anime I show to people or like my family. I don't think I could show them this unless they wanted to watch the show first and then. 
understand and be like, yeah, that so those parts in the show mean mean a lot more now that you've watched the movie. So, but still, definitely go see it. Even if I didn't like this movie, it's just like people are still going to go see it. It's making money right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's definitely one of the best films so far this year. I it's in my top five for right now. We'll have to see where it uh, stays or goes as the year goes on. But for a a fairly slow start in theatrical animation this year, yeah, th- go watch it. Uh, yeah. Um, I think this is like right outside my top five, but, but yeah, this, this, this movie is awesome. You, you, you will, you will know immediately if, if this is, if this is something that interests you. Right. So, but that's really, that's all I have to say. Like, um, I can't, well, I can wait for the new season for next year. (laughs) We kind of have to. Yeah, no, um. I'm fine with waiting. I think like I'm pretty satisfied right now and yeah, just, it's a good show. It's a good franchise and probably one of the better Shonen focused shows out there. I, yeah, I, I would agree to that. I, I'd say this is probably my, like some, I I'd say it's like my top five um, favorite anime of the past decade yeah no it's it's yeah just check it out really like i'd say like if someone had to watch a franchise like a battle franchise i'd show them jujitsu kaisen i think that's the one that most people would like even though like this and my hero academia and demon slayer are entirely different shows all things considered but jujitsu just kind of like gives me everything that i want in a franchise like this so i think out that's it all right um now as her recommendations um because i'm me and because i know a lot of people love these two shows um i wanted to just uh talk about the mid-season premieres for both the owl house and amphibia just Um, uh, keep it spoiler free as possible (laughs) yes um I, I will not spoil anything. I'm just going to say, man, it feels good to have these shows back. Um, and both of these episodes for, um, you know, for being off the air for a couple months now, it just felt really good to um, dive back into these worlds um, and just, just to see like where the story goes for, for Amphibia, this is this is their final season. For the Owl House, we um we have, you know, half half of one season left, and then three forty four minute specials, which, like, the more the more I keep hearing about them, the more excited I get. Um, we 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 still don't know exactly like how the show is going to end, but I'm I can only imagine it's it's going to be something as epic as like Sosin's Comet or, um, or a weird Mageddon from Gravity Falls. Right. Right. I think that's a possibility with, uh, Owl House. I still wish they could go back and 
redo the whole like season three is going to be three specials but you know disney's going to disney and you know they need to really get rid of bob chapik just saying yeah he he should have been gone like like ages ago (laughs) especially with all that's going on it's just like knowing what happened with these show like what happened with going on behind the scenes and such at disney and their productions and such and yes they're putting the kit the same the gay kiss back into Lightyear. that doesn't solve anything though that's just a band-aid over a gaping flesh wound of a situation that disney is right in right now with how really just homophobic they are there's no way to put it else to put it just awful and such so, you know, uh, Disney say gay, fire Bob Chappick, and Disney do better. So, oh, yeah. So, like, even like, yes, I will probably enjoy watching Amphibia and Owl House, but it is just kind of like, uh, it, it just, it's going to have that, that thought, like, that, that thought of how Bob Chappick is running the company is going to be in the back of my head, and that sucks. <laughs> yeah, so like from from now until his contract ex- expires, which is allegedly February of next year, we'll just always have to put that uh that asterisk at the top of like any sort of Disney recommendation. Right. It, yeah, especially going forward now. For my recommendation, I wanted to make sure everyone knew that new episodes of Jellystone are out on HBO Max. And it's not season two, it's season 1B. That's another thing we kind of had to see the dirty laundry of with how they uh, cut up batches of episodes and what have you. So this isn't season two. The service will want you to think it's season two, but it's season 1B. So, but these episodes are wildly entertaining. They are super funny. Just that same, if you loved the same absurd zany humor of the first batch of episodes, they amp it up here. I have laughed immensely hard like this morning when I was watching a lot of them. And it's just great. Again, it's like my analogy of like, huh, the dial was at 11 and needs to be at a 22. (laughs) <laughs> are, are there are there any um new new characters um introduced in these episodes that we like haven't seen yet um yeah the no first they half? uh yes in background and foreground they do have more easter eggs of like Hanna-Barbera characters and they are expanding more like time to flesh them out like flesh these incarnations out which is just great i like see that's that was one of my criticisms of the first batch of episodes was like, I like these characters, but I'm ready to see more done with some of them. We get more time with like Johnny Quest and Haji and their episode. And they even make like a deep cut Hanna-Barbera character like appear in the same episode with Johnny Quest and Haji. And it's kind of funny. Like I haven't seen all the episodes of this new batch yet, but if they are... Like they're kind of skating the line of like, we we are making so many references to uh, the Flintstones without actually having the Flintstones. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, so it's like 
I'm wondering if they will at some point have more like we'll introduce the Flintstones because they keep saying like bedrock or they'll show like Easter egg like uh like like clothes like you'll see Fred Flintstone's outfit or there's a Dino like playground uh like one of those like bouncy spring pony things and there's one that's actually a reference to the Jetsons also there as well so it's really interesting to see how they are implementing it it's still just super chaotic though which is just my kind of comedy for these characters they even take a jab at the old school designs in animation oh nice it's just like they're like help i can't move <laughs> but i won't i won't spoil anymore but yes do watch this new batch of jelly stones episodes on hbo max they are just a delight oh that's not, that sounds like so much fun i'm i am looking forward to diving into uh those new uh episodes that's right because we're gonna be taking a break this next week and then we will come back and do our next uh renegade animation awards yeah uh 2021 was a year and so we will we will we'll dive into our uh our own version of um award season yeah and we'll just do a little wrap up of just like here's what we kind of thought overall about the uh the year and like with tv and the anime and films and what have you so i can't wait it'll be fun to just have a more laid-back episode same but until then cameron where can everyone find you online you can find me on twitter at uh cam's eye view I have my own website called camsiview.biz where I review animated shows and films from around the world um, called The Other Side of Animation. I also have a Patreon at patreon.com slash camsiview. If you like my work, you can, and want to support me in some way, shape, or form, you can support my Patreon. And you guys can find me on Twitter at CaptainK42. You can check out my quick thoughts on letterbox.com slash coachk42. And you can find me in all the various Facebook groups just at my name. You can check out Renegade Pop Culture on Facebook and Twitter at Ren Pop Culture. You can also find us on Podchaser and the Banana Meter. Listen to all of our podcasts on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc. And last but not least, everything can be found at renegadepopculture.com. Mean to escape, so do we. That'll do it for this episode of Renegade Animation. We will catch you guys later. Peace out.